turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. I want to speak to you today about Jesus. I will build my church. Those, I'm quoting him. Jesus said, I will build my church. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 18. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But he said, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You're the Christ the Messiah, the one that was coming. All that was implied when he said, you're the Christ. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, the reason you know who I am, I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, is my Father revealed it to you. And I also say to you that you're Peter, and upon this rock, this confession of faith, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the bottom line. Upon this confession, upon this rock, I will build my church. It's his church. And the gates of hell will not be able to stand its charge. I will build my church. You know, um, it was about July, five years ago, this coming July, that I was speaking at Crossgates Baptist Church in Brandon, Mississippi. I'd been there kind of as an interim for about six months. And Ruby Rowe came up to me after the service. I'd never met her, didn't know her. And she said to me, uh, uh, they introduced me to her, and many of you know Ruby, a wonderful woman of God. I think she was 93 at the time. And she said to me, um, after I'd asked her to pray for me and Ann, she looked at me and said, now, now Brother Fred, she's got that Canadian accent, Brother Fred said, uh, God is fixing to take your feet places they've never been before. And I said, well, Miss Ruby, I, I appreciate that. And... I received that as from the Lord. But I thought to myself, man, I, I, don't, I don't know where my feet hadn't been, to be honest with you, that God's going to take me. But I, I basically forgot it. Then it was on September the 18th. This September 18th will be five years. I was sitting in my den in Fairhope. Loved living there. Traveling, doing the Barnabas ministry. And I don't know, I, I think I was either listening to a CD or what. But it was just one of those God moments when the still small voice of the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I'm fixing to take your feet places they've never been before. I said, Okay. And then the Spirit of God whispered to me, I want you to start a church for scattered sheep. Wow. I never even thought about that phrase. 
And immediately the Spirit of God moved across me and I began to weep and I said, but now Lord, I've never done that before. He said, guess what? I told you. You're gonna, I'm going to take your feet. They've never, places they've never been before. And there in that chair in the den in Fairhope, in my heart was birthed the vision of Luke 4.18 fellowship. It sure wasn't. I didn't think it up. And I can assure you I wouldn't be standing here today unless the voice of God, the Spirit of God, had so clearly spoken to me. And I knew it was simply a matter now of obeying God and trusting God. Most of you know the rest of the story. But four, ye- four years and four months ago, we had our first meeting right here at Davidson High School. And can I be honest with you? We were a bunch of scattered sheep. Now, now what do you mean, Brother Fred, by scattered sheep? People who, some who were not going to church, had been scattered, but they came back. Others who were scattered and were in a church, but it didn't feel like home. They didn't feel like they fit. And for some reason, it just wasn't right. And I can honestly say to you that, really, that first year, I mean, we, ju- we were just a bunch of scattered sheep. We had not yet become a, quote, family. We had not yet become a close-knit body. We met every Sunday. Wednesday, later on, we uh, started meeting on Wednesday nights. But um, we, we were just a bunch of scattered sheep. But I stand here this morning, four years and four months later, and I say, wait a minute. Things have really changed. Praise God. I'm going to tell you something, folks. We're no longer a bunch of scattered sheep. We're the family of the living God. We're a family. And there's a love here, and there's a unity here, and there's a care here, like no church that I've ever pastored. I had a wonderful 25 years at Cottage Hill Baptist Church. I'm telling you, I look back on it, it only could be explained as God. But I look back on the four years and four months at Luke 4.18 and see where God has brought us from and where we are today. All I can say is, to God be the glory. It's as the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous to behold. We're not only a family, but we're, we're the body of Christ. The body of Christ. We are a local body of believers. With, I believe, an awesome name. Luke 4.18. You know know why I love that name? Because it's the ministry of Jesus. People say, well, what what is Luke 4.18? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) It's the ministry of Jesus. Luke 4.18 says, I have come to preach the gospel to the poor. This is why he came, y'all. This is why we... Or Luke 4, 18. He said, I've come to preach the gospel to the poor. I've come to heal the brokenhearted. To deliver the captives. To give sight to the blind. To set at liberty to the oppressed. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Luke 4, 18 is about the ministry of Jesus. In the lives of men and women and boys and girls. It's all about the ministry of Jesus. And we see how God has 
led us step by step. And it has been an awesome, awesome journey. Today we take another step. We voted some time ago to proceed with a building. But now we're ready to take, to break ground and to begin. But I was thinking about buildings. We've never majored on it. We've not spent a lot of time talking about it. Because we know one thing. The church is not a building. The church is men and women in whom Jesus lived and whose lives have been changed by the power of God. Buildings are just that. They're buildings. And the building we're going to build will be a place where God's people meet. And we don't worship the building. We worship the God that we've gathered to meet in that building. But you know, obviously... God, God, God is concerned about buildings. He minutely told Moses how to build the tabernacle down to the last degree. I mean, what color cloth to use, <laughs> how wide it was supposed to be. And you know, the tabernacle became the place where the, the, the God's presence was and where they always all looked to for the presence of God. It was a center of the, of the spiritual life of Israel, which was awesome. And then, of course, we take this story on down the road a little bit, and then God says, now, we're not going to have a tabernacle, we're going to have the temple. David wanted to build it, but God said no. But he let Solomon build it, told him exactly how to build it, and told Solomon that his face would be toward that building. And it would be a special place, the temple. But we also realize, and the Bible says it in one of the verses, do you think, if, if you think you could build any building that would contain God, you have no idea of how awesome God is. The Bible says you can't build any building that could hold me, but I can turn my face toward and I can bless it, and I can bless the people that gather there. So we come to the place now that, that we're, we're, we're ready, you know, first to make. The building will be, will, be, will, be, will be going up. But let's just talk about how God has provided for us. And this is awesome. Now, you've got to realize we're four years and four months old. And, and let me just say this, and I give God the glory. Everything I talk about this morning, I'm glorifying God. And if you receive it any other way, then you receive it wrong. During these four years and four months, one of the greatest things we've done is... We've given between seven and eight hundred thousand dollars to support missionaries around the world. Can I make one statement? That ain't bad for four years and four months. And and there are missionaries on the field that wouldn't be able to be there today if it hadn't been for Luke four eighteen. If God had not raised us up, I'm telling you, many of them would not have been able to stay. We put we support some five hundred dollars a month, some two hundred and fifty dollars a month, other amounts. Uh, then we support special missionary causes all the time. And we give at least a minimum of 15% of all the money we receive to missions. And, and, and we're committed to that. Because we believe that we don't exist for ourselves. We exist as a part of the kingdom of God. And for the kingdom of God to be spread to the ends of the earth. So it's not like we said we're going to take all this money and put it away and build a building. But you know, it's amazing how God has provided for us. 
it may have been two or three years ago, all of a sudden a piece of property, eight acres, on Solly Road in the population center of Mobile. Eight acres. A member of the a family died. They wanted to sell it as a part of the estate, and they wanted to sell it quickly. Now, you know where our property is. Here's Charleston Oaks, 70 homes there, one of the most exclusive subdivisions in Mobile, which does not matter to me, but I'm telling you it's a valuable property. And we were able, by the grace of God, to purchase all eight of those acres for $425,000. Hey, that was a God thing, y'all. I want you to know that. And guess what? We paid cash for it. We already had the money before the property ever came. Then the people who were designing our building said, Now, if you have to hook to the sewer on the, from the street, it's going to take over $100,000 to run this sewer line. It's going to cost you a lot of money to hook into public utilities. And we found out there was a lot in the subdivision right next to where our property was. And that by if we had that lot, then we could go right there and hook into the public utilities and save thousands and thousands of dollars. So, so we purchased that lot for $32,000. And guess what we did? We paid cash for it. Now, we have our, the building already engineered, already designed and engineered. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's already been put out for bids. The bids are in, and we have a firm price. So we paid three, about $300,000 for the designing and the engineering of this building. Costco and Associates, Christian men, godly people that God put in our path, they've designed it, engineered it, done everything that we ask them to do over many hours of meetings. And $300,000, guess what? We've already paid that. So we've already paid cash for 700, uh, of $757,000. Now as we get ready to begin our building, we have $1,600,000 in the bank. Right there. And so as the building begins, we won't be borrowing any money from the bank. We have enough money and we got... I don't know how long 1.6 million will last, but we got that's money that we have that will be used to begin this building. We're praying that as we build, that God will provide the funds. It'll take us 12 to 15 months to, to build the building. Man, you know what excites me? That not this summer, but next summer, praise God, we could be in our building. Isn't that exciting? I mean, that is exciting to me. Glory to God, I'm telling you. And, and I want to assure you, it's a beautiful building. And we wanted it to be beautiful for the glory of God. First of all, we wanted it to look like a church. We're not ashamed of being a church, okay? You understand that, don't you? Why didn't you do something contemporary? I've been there and got a t-shirt. I, I, I don't want to go that route. <laughs> On that one, the roof caved in. But anyway, <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, it'll, it'll seat 860 people, counting the choir. And in this building, there's wonderful space for our birth through five years of age. Hey, by the way, have you seen our magnificent space for the nursery over here? <laughs> we got two little rooms. Two little rooms. That's all we got. Thank God for the two little rooms. We had 22 children in there the other day. That's right. Oh, that's exactly right. <laughs> but man, we have got 
in the main building, we've got beautiful facilities. Any, any person, that parent that brings their child will know that we've made every effort to provide the best for them. Security, care, in every way. Then on the other side, we have for grades uh, for, from uh, five, six years of age, grades one through five. Wonderful facilities in the main building for all of our children all the way through the fifth grade. And then we have a, a, a choir room in the back. Uh, somebody thought it was going to be a storage room. They got it confused. It's going to be a choir room. That decision was made two days ago, okay? <laughs> With Ed's help and assistance, you understand. So, so we've got a, a, a choir room, and we do have some rooms that we can use early for, for senior adults. Some of you who are a lot older than I am have difficulty walking a long distance. <laughs> After heart surgery, I didn't know if I was going to, I thought I was going to be in that building. You understand. But we do have some rooms for, for, that where some senior adult classes can meet. Now, to let you know that we said we're not going to be extravagant. We're not going to spend money we don't have. Instead of building the full educational wing, that would have cost about two more million dollars or whatever. We're going to have three pre-engineered buildings in the back. Three. And it's going to be a, a space dedicated for our young people and their Wednesday night services. And it'll be there for them to use seven days a week anytime they want to for our youth. And David and his youth team will do a great job with that. Then we're going to have a fellowship hall bigger than the one that we have over on Schillinger's Road. Plenty of place to meet and to eat and to have fellowship and to have Bible study. So it'll be larger than it was and it can be used on Sundays for adult Sunday school space. Then we've got another uh, uh, pre-engineered building that'll be used for our office complex and other things. And what we can do as the need arises, we could enlarge those. But right now, I think there's three, maybe four pre-engineered buildings that will be in the back. And we don't purchase them, we just lease them. We just pay so much a month. Unless we came across some that we could buy, and, and, and that, that's a possibility. So we, we, what we did, we said, look, we, we, we're not going to try to do everything at one time. And if God gives the money, we might could go on and build the rest of it. But I know one thing, this is a great plan, and it'll take care of everybody that we have and give us a great deal of room to grow. I think it's about 200 and uh, we got 197 paved parking places and 70, 73 great gravel parking places. You know, plus there's some grass some of y'all can walk on if you don't have high heels. So, I mean, we've got the, the par- you know, we got, listen, it's all we need. And we're going to be right there and it's going to be a permanent place and it's going to say to Mobile, Alabama, Luke 418, it's not a flash in the pan. It's just not something that they started and Brother Fred had something to do with. And now it's, it's gone. No, I'm telling you, we're going to be here, glory to God. And we're going to be light and salt. And we're going to glorify Jesus till he comes back. Amen. Luke 4.18 is a permanent place for the kingdom of God. It's a permanent place. And God has provided and God will provide. And I do believe. When we moved into the building at uh, Cottage Hill, $8 million building, we had no idea it was going to cost that much. And we basically uh, were the contractors ourselves. When we moved in, we owed about $800,000 in bills that had not been paid. So it was not paid for. 
So we had a group of me, people that met together. Said, "What are we going to do? Are we going to uh, uh, how are we going to pay these bills?" And they said, "I tell you one thing: we're not going to do. We're not going to borrow any money." I said, "I'm all for that, but how are we going to do it?" They said, "We're going to believe God to provide for it." Amen. Did you know? In one Sunday. Now we had a lot more folks than we have now, but in one Sunday, we gave over eight hundred thousand dollars and paid all the bills, and the church was paid for. I believe that if, if we come to the end and there are any bills not paid, I do believe with all my heart that through his people, God, as he's all, by the way, we, he's already provided $2,350,000 already that we've already spent. No, we've got million six we hadn't spent yet. So he's already done that. And so I'm just telling you, it's obvious that God's hand is in it. And we're going to praise him and thank him. And the building will be no more of no more value than the people that meet in it. And if godly people, spiritual people who love God, who love Jesus, who love the Word of God, who depend on the Holy Spirit, who have no desire but to please God and glorify Him, if the right people are in that building, it will be a glorious place for the kingdom of God. The building does not make the people. The people make the building. And we know that. And I tell you, the unity we have, it's unbelievable. I, I'm not always trying to settle up people who are upset and all that kind of stuff. If anybody's upset, I don't know about it. And don't tell me about it, please. I don't really want to know about it. <laughs> you say, well, Brother Fred, you said we were going to try to have $3 million before we started. Well, we've already given and spent we got 2.3. But I mean, that was never a figure God gave me. Somebody said we ought to have two-thirds of the price before we begin. I said, that's fine with me. I mean, that's, that's right. So we used a $3 million figure. But that was never a word from God. But I promise you this much, my commitment and my belief and trust in God that we'll pay for the building has not changed. And let's watch God do it. Will you believe God with me? And we'll believe God to do it. If you will, just give God glory. Give him glory. Tell, we'll just believe God to do it. We'll believe God to do it. Man, I'm so excited about it. I mean, listen, year, a year and three months, I, I, I won't even be 76 when we get in the building. Glory to God. And about 10 years in that building, I'll be 86, and it ought to be awesome by then. That's exactly the, the way I feel about it. You know, some people got the idea, well, Brother Fred's brought uh, Joe Savage. And by the way, I love Joe Savage, and I love Brother Ed and David Bullock and Martin, all of our staff, all of our ladies. We got a SL, we got a bunch of godly people that love God and they have no agenda but to please God. Somebody said, well, you know, Brother Fred brought Bro Savage on and, and, and just in a few months, he's going to move off the scene. Look at me. I ain't about to move off the scene. I have no desire. Listen, I haven't spent four, and four years and four months here to not be in that building for at least five or six or seven years. You say, well, what if you get feeble? Then y'all just have to help me out. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> the Bible says comfort the feeble-minded. I'll know when my mind is gone, and if I don't know, somebody else will tell me. So don't you worry about it. So I, I want you to know I'm here for the long haul. And I'm excited about what God is going to do. So this morning, you know, we, we've already voted to do it and all that stuff. But I, I think it'd be awesome if we just, just, uh, just as a testimony to God that we believe it's His will. And that we're trusting him to provide. Uh, for us just in a moment just to stand together. 
and sing, sing a couple of great choruses and then have a word of prayer. Just committing this entire process to, the, to God, okay? So if you, if you say, man, Brother Fred, I, I don't understand it all. I know it's not a perfect building, but I know it's God's will. And, and I do with all my heart. I'd lay my life down that it is. Why don't we just stand together right now as an affirmation before the Lord that we believe it's His will and that we are going to uh, together uh, trust God and pray and, uh, and we're going to give Him the glory for all that's done. And there are two courses I want Brother Ed to lead us in singing. One of them is because we know this is God's doing and it's our God is an awesome God. Amen? Amen. Let's sing it, Brother Ed. Come on. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. The head of the church, Jesus said, I will build my church. It ain't Brother Fred's church. It ain't your church. It's his church. I will build my church. He's the head. He's the Lord. It belongs to him. And our one passion is to please him. That is it. And so, man, we just need to praise him who purchased this church, his church with his own blood. He purchased it with his own blood. So let's sing, praise the name of Jesus. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. In him will I trust. Lead us, Brother Ed. Praise the name of Jesus. our heads together you gave us that verse early Lord unless the Lord builds a house they labor in vain that build it he said it's vain for you to get up early or stay up late the Lord gives his beloved sleep and you basically said relax don't be anxious and frustrated and just don't get up early or stay up late. He gives you sleep. So, Lord, you, you, you're building the house. And, Lord, we're relaxing. And we're just watching you do it. Now, Lord, you know that as sincerely as we know how, we say thank you, Father, for all that you've already done. God, this is not the work of men. This is the work of God. It's God's work. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous to behold. And we bow humbly at the foot of the cross and at the, at the door of the empty tomb. And we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you've done in us and with us and for us, and you will do in the days to come. Thank you, Father, for the favor that you've given us as a people. And we give you praise and glory. 
But Lord, we want you to know that we're trusting you. We're looking to you. And Lord, we just want you to know that our covenant with you is that building will be a place where the living God is enthroned and the living Christ is exalted and where people come and will experience the love of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and have an opportunity to be free in Christ. Lord, it'll be a place of refuge, a place where people can be loved and accepted, a place, Almighty God, where those who are hurting and needing the the most needy can come and find love and acceptance. Lord, we just commit this process to you, every detail of it, and as it is done, we'll say to God be the glory. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, if you'd be seated for just a moment. Now, if you think that was my message, you're wrong. I want you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, okay? Acts 2, and I, I want to show you four things. What kind of church is Luke 4.18? We've, we've talked about this before. Well, are you a Methodist or a Baptist or Episcopalian or Pentecostal? Or what, kind of, what kind of church are you? Well, our prayer is, our goal is, our commitment is, our desire that will not be denied is to be in every sense a New Testament church. That's who we are and that's who we want to be. And you say it with me, a New Testament church. You say, well, what is one? I'm fixing to show you. Now, we have a charter. We have a statement of faith. And we affirm the Baptist faith and message. And the reason why, let me tell you. You know, I've been a Baptist all my life because, number one, in the Baptist faith, we believe in the priesthood of the believer. Every one of us has the right and has access to God. Every one of us can hear from God. They're not two. They're not ecclesiastical classes. We, we are all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And as Baptists, we believe in the priesthood of the believer. Amen? Secondly, we believe that each church is autonomous and independent. Nobody can tell us what to do. Nobody can tell us what to believe. Nobody uh, owns the buildings except us. So nobody can tell us to move in and move out. There is no hierarchy that has any control over us whatsoever. And some said, well, there's some things I don't like about Baptists. You probably don't even know what Baptists are anyway. Come on, give me a break. That's some, some kind of Baptist I don't like either. Okay? But, I mean, somebody, what is our statement of faith? It's, it's uh, the, the Baptist statement of faith. You read it, you find anything in it that's not true to Scripture, you show it to me, and we'll change it. Oh, I mean that. Hey, we, we're committed not to a creed. We're committed to the living Word of God. All right. What is the New Testament church? Look. Acts chapter 2, and I want you to show, show you the four things that are going to be the heart of Luke 4.18. They have been already, but they're going to be. When we continue to be these next few months that we're here, and uh, 
and once we get over to where we're going, all right, I want you to listen to this. Peter preached at Pentecost, and in Acts 2.36, listen to what he said. Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus. Now listen to what Peter say. The same Peter that denied him three times, but now filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with the Spirit of God, overflowing with the Spirit of God, as bold as a lion, headed toward martyrdom, stands before the crowd that had crucified Jesus, let all the house of Israel know, assuredly, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. It couldn't have been any plainer than that. He said, y'all killed him, but he's Lord, he's Christ, God raised him from the dead, and we're all witnesses of it. All right? Now, when they heard this, verse 37, they were cut to the heart. The Holy Spirit was moving and said to Peter and the apostles, Men and brethren, what can we do? What shall we do? They were under conviction. Then Peter said to them, repent. That means confess your sins and turn from them. Repent to change your mind, to change your direction. And boy, did that mean a lot to them. They had crucified him. They would killed him. He said, repent. Repent. Confess your sins. Turn in a totally different direction. Repent and, be, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Be baptized in his name for the remission of sins as evidence that your sins are forgiven. And you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, every one of you, as you repent and are baptized, then God's going to give you, as you uh, since you trusted Christ, the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise, verse 39, is to you, to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Now, we have their first baptismal service and the first church membership. Then, they, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. So right now, I mean, we've we got the first church here. They repented. They declared Jesus as Lord in Christ. Those who gladly received his word were baptized. And about 3,000 souls, 3,000 were added to them. Okay, so what did they do? They said they got baptized, we're going to heaven, and we're going to sit here, and we'll sit here till we get to heaven. No, that's not what it is. What did they do? They began to be the church. I mean, they just got saved. They just got baptized. So they started being the church. They didn't, they, they didn't have any pattern to follow. So they just started doing what the Spirit of God told them to do. So what did they do? Four things. It says they continued steadfastly. Well, praise God, they were faithful. They were faithful. They didn't say, well, we got saved. I'll see you next Easter. That is not what they said. I got saved. Uh, I'll probably come Thanksgiving. No, no. Listen to this. They continued steadfastly number one in the apostles doctrine that's the word of God now that's pillar number one at Luke 418 of the New Testament church they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine the word of God number two fellowship that's a second pillar 
in Luke 4.18. That's the family of God. And they continued steadfastly, the early church, in the apostles' doctrine, the Word of God. Fellowship, they were the family of God. Look at the third thing. And the breaking of bread, that was communion, the Lord's Supper. And so that was the worship of God. And so we see the early church, the Word of God, the family of God, the worship of God, the pillars of the early church, the New Testament church, and then, and in prayer. So get to think about it now. It's really not complicated. A New Testament church is a place where they magnify the Word of God. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about this book right here. And I want to tell you, look, this is the Word of God. Amen? It's the Word of God. It is the authority for everything that we believe and practice. We test everything by the Word of God. We have no message but the Word of God. It's not the latest philosophy and fad. It is not the latest opinions of men. I am telling you, the Apostles' Doctrine, the pillar of the New Testament church, is the Bible, the Word of the living God. And at Luke 4.18, we have no message but the Word of God. We have no authority by which we guide ourselves except the Word of God. And I am telling you, the Word of God will take precedence in every New Testament church. Morality is determined by the Word of God. We do not let society say, well, this is what a family is. Or we do not let society say, this is what marriage is. We, we do not let society say, well, 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 this is what sexuality is. No. We say, this book tells us what the family is. This book tells us what marriage is. And this book tells us what sexuality is. Do you understand that? And the world will hate us because of it, because we will not compromise. We will say, God said it, and that settles it. The Word of God will be the absolute pillar of Luke 4.18, and that's a New Testament church. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. You say, Brother Fred, one of my professors said the Bible uh, has errors in it. God have mercy on his ignorance is all I got to say. First of all, he hadn't read the Bible. And if he has read it, he read it through natural and human eyes. And you can't understand the Word of God unless you're taught by the Spirit of God. Right? Now, I will say this. While the Bible is the pillar, we're going to preach it in love. In love. We're not going to be Pharisees. We're not going to be legalistic. We're not going to spend all of our time condemning people. We're going to preach the truth in love. Preach the truth in love. And when the truth is preached in love, God will honor it and lives will be changed. You say, I don't know if I want to be a part of a church that the Bible is the final authority uh, under the Lordship of Christ. And, and they, if the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. If the Bible says it's right, it's right. I don't know if I want to be a part of a church like that. Then, then, then you wouldn't feel at home in Luke 4.18. Because I'm telling you, this, this, this is it.
And everything we do will be judged by this. All right, here's the second thing. They continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. That's pillar number one of a New Testament church. Fellowship, that's the family of God. See, we're a family. The Bible describes the church with three terms. The body of Christ. One's an eye, one's a hand, one's a foot. The body of Christ, we're the body of Christ. The bride of Christ. The bride that Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, is coming for one day. We are, just think about that. We're not only the body of Christ, but the church is the bride of Christ. And he's coming back for a spotless bride. Without spot and blemish. So, but it's the body of Christ, it's the bride of Christ, but we're the family of God. We're all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, the family of God, it says fellowship. Now, I want you to listen to me. This, this is, we, by God's grace, we will not fall from this standard. As the family of God, number one, we minister to each other. Not just Brother Fred or Brother Joe or Brother David or Brother We all minister to each other. Sunday school teachers, Sunday school class members, people that not even in Sunday school. We minister to each other. Where there's a need, we minister to each other. I mean, out of love, we, we're family. And family doesn't neglect family members. Family minister to each other. I promise you this much. Luke 418 Fellowship is committed to ministering to any person in this room, regardless of what your need is. We are committed to minister to you. And the only reason we would not is if we didn't know about it. How can we do it if we don't know about it? How can we? Every time we know of a need, I've never seen more willing, more, more willing heart of, among our people to minister to each other. I'm telling you, we, 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 it is our commitment not to let any member of this body who has need to go unministered to. We're a family. And as a family, we minister to each other. Number two, we're transparent with each other. We don't hide behind masks. We don't pretend to be what we are. We know that we all have problems. We know that we all have difficulties. We know that not a one of us is perfect. So we walk in forgiveness. We, we, we do not enable people to continue in a destructive lifestyle but we walk in love as a family we walk in forgiveness and our purpose don't don't get don't miss this now our purpose is always to restore people it is never to push people down our purpose is when you got a family member in trouble what do you do you restore them so we're family fellowship transparency I mean, ministry, ministry, meeting each other's needs, and transparency, open, accepting people where they are, not judging people, being redemptive, and then, of course, accountability. You know, we, we're going to, you know, we're not a New Testament church. We're not a family. Listen, and I was part of a family, and, 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 and of course, I had a mother and father just like you do. Guess what? I was held accountable. I didn't do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. I could, but I'd have to answer to my father to whom I was accountable. And I want you to know I was accountable. I had the fear of God in me. You understand? <laughs> and rightfully so, because I assure you one thing. I knew 
If I stepped out of line, he was going to hold me accountable. Now, as a church, if we let you live a lifestyle and keep on doing what you're doing and live a lifestyle that is not right, we have not only sinned against God, but we've sinned against you. We have to, the, the responsibility of, of not only ministering to you and loving you where you are in transparency, but we have a, a responsibility to hold you accountable. That is the body of Christ. And that if we don't do that, then we grieve the Holy Spirit. All right, here's the fourth, third pillar. The Word of God, Apostles' Doctrine, the Family of God, Fellowship, the Worship of God. And they continued steadfast in the Apostles' Doctrine, Fellowship, and the Breaking of Bread. They just got together. This is my body which was broken for you. And they had fellowship. I mean, they worshiped God. They worshiped God. They just got together and worshiped. I don't have time. I'm going to preach a message on praise, thanksgiving, and worship. How all three are different. What is praise? What is thanksgiving? What is worship? But I will say this, and I'm going to move on. Worship is when you respond to God morally. You're in a service. We're singing or preaching, and the Spirit of God speaks to you. And you respond to that by saying, yes. Or you respond to what he says if he's telling you not to do something by saying no. You really haven't worshipped God until you obey him. You really haven't worshipped God until you respond to him morally, whether it's yes or no. Whatever God speaks to you that is his will, you say yes. And when you do that, you worship God. You can praise him without ever worshipping him. You can thank him without ever worshiping. But when you really worship him, it's when God speaks to you and God calls for a decision on your part and it's his will and you say yes. You just worshiped God. You just morally respond to it. And you worshiped him in spirit and in truth. Here's the last one. Apostles doctrine, the word of God. Fellowship, the family of God. The breaking of bread, the worship of God. Prayer. Now, isn't it interesting that one of the major pillars, those four pillars of them, was prayer. All right? Two or three months ago, God began to speak to me. He said, do you remember what a pillar prayer was when you were at Cottage Hill Baptist Church? I said, yeah, I do. Everything was built around our prayers, our prayer ministry. Everything was built around it. And said, so God said, what's changed? What's changed? I said, nothing. He said, then what are you going to do about it? I said, I'm going to do what I need to do. And I'm not, I'm not going to go into detail this morning, but there are three things significantly that we're going to do. Number one, Beginning the first Sunday in May, when the service is going on here in this auditorium, they're going to be, on one Sunday there will be a group of men over in a room praying. What they'll do, they'll come in, they'll, they'll be a part of the worship, and when we get ready and have our prayer time, they will slip out. It'll be five men, and they will go to a room. Brother Joe Savage will be there to instruct them, give them a prayer sheet, and, and they'll pray 
uh, and usually if they start when the prayer time comes, I usually preach 45 minutes. And so they'll be in there praying 45 minutes while I'm preaching and giving the invitation. That, then the next Sunday, it'll be five women. So one Sunday, while we're having worship, five men will be praying. Next Sunday, it'll be five women. It's called the Pastor's Prayer Support Team. And we're going to start that the first Sunday in May. You can sign up for it. You can be a part of it. Second thing we're going to do. Now, you said, Brother Fred, I can't participate in some of this. You just do what you can. You can organize your own prayer group. But we're designating Thursday as a day of prayer. Every Thursday will be a day of prayer for Luke 418 Fellowship. Six o'clock on Thursday morning. You know where we have our fellowship meal on Thursday night, on Wednesday night. Six o'clock every Thursday morning. I'll be in the prayer room. And I encourage anybody who can to come and we're going to pray. We're not going to come in there and make prayer requests. We're not going to come in there and read scripture. We're going to come in there and get on our knees or get in our chair and we're going to pray for an hour or longer. Every Thursday from 7, from 6 to 7 or longer, we'll be praying every Thursday morning. In the choir room, every Thursday night from 7 to 8, we'll be praying. You say, why did you choose those times? I believe the Holy Spirit led me to them. You say, well, why didn't you wait till later? Hey, I used to pray it from 10.30 to midnight. I do want to be awake while we're praying. You understand what I'm saying? I think it'd help me if we do it a little early. But now you understand this. You just know every, every Thursday morning they're going to be over there praying. And if you can come, fine, stay 15 <coughs> minutes, fine. It doesn't matter. Every Thursday night we're going to be there doing it. And if you come in for Bible study, don't come because all we're going to do is pray. We're just going to pray. So every Thursday morning from 6 to 7, every Thursday night from 7 to 8, we're going to be praying. Pastor's prayer support team, praying on Thursday morning, Thursday night. The first week in August, starting August the 6th, we've got a week of prayer. Every night from 7 to 8, we're going to pray for a solid week. Just a week devoted to prayer. Our staff is going to meet early uh, before their staff meeting. Uh, for a time of prayer where we come and pray and then we meet together to discuss the things of the church. So what we're basically doing is this. Our prayer warriors, our warriors on the wall, we're going to do everything we can to enlarge it and to encourage people. Now let me say this and I'm through. You, if you say, well, uh, th- none of those hours f- suit me. Hey, listen, Thursday's our day of prayer. Get a group of people and pray with them. Meet them at lunch and pray with them. Have them over to your house and pray with them. But just remember, Thursday is the day of prayer for Luke 418 Fellowship. Till Jesus comes, we're going to pray. And that's what we're going to do is pray. We're going to pray for revival. We're going to pray for our nation. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to pray for our city. And the words, my house shall be called a house of prayer, will be just that. And just remember, you can participate as you can. If none of this suits you, then you can find and get a group to pray you feel free, and you can pray any day you want to. But we're just saying we're going to make a major emphasis on prayer. Prayer support team on Sundays. All day Thursday is our day of prayer. And then we're just going to encourage people to get prayer groups and just to pray. Because I'm going to tell you something. The church moves forward on its knees. We move forward on our knees. When the church prays, God answers. So what, what kind of church are we going to be? Same kind we want to be right here. We want to be um, a 
church that centers around the Word of God, the family of God, the worship of God, and the house of prayer, a praying church.